Alrighty. So it's a week and a bit since that final. Uh, yeah, you know what we're talking about. Uh, this is the review, finally. Um, it's taken me a while to get here. It's not that I actually... I could have done it the next day. Could have done it the day after. Um, but, you know, the fallout, the post-mortem, all that stuff was pretty fierce uh, throughout the media, throughout uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, the media, the media itself, TV, newspapers, radio, all that stuff. It was pretty pretty mental. Um, I worked the next day after the final two, so that wasn't fun. Um, and then I had the Monday off, and I was going to do a review that day, and then it was just, it was still there was the snowball of all the shit that was being talked. Um, whether and you know the legitimate legitimate fallout and and dissection of the result, I guess. All that stuff was happening, but then there was all the other, you know, there was all just the other shit talk, and it was just like, that Monday, I was just like, I'm just going to have some me time, you know? The season had finished in a uh, disastrous way compared to where we thought it could finish, Um, and even if we were going to lose a preliminary final, we certainly um, didn't envision that kind of result, Um, as bad as it was, and um, yeah, just as, you know, pathetic in a way, I guess, I don't want to you know, besmirch the players in in any real way. Like, you know, there's been a lot of talk and, you know, boat crying and all that stuff. There's all that stuff, you know, they care. I, I believe that and I believe all of the people involved care and I don't want to um, besmirch reputations in that sense. But um, it was a, just a, it was an unfortunately quite a pathetic display visually and um, and it's just, they're just completely swamped. But, um, you know, with all that stuff going on, I just, I just was like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take the day, you know, the season had finished and I was just like, I think I wanted to let everyone else say their piece and then just, and just kind of metabolize it and, and think about it and, and just come to terms with it myself in a way. Um, cause it hurt. It was, that sucked. Um, we, we were there obviously. Um, and we stayed until the final siren and then stayed until they walked off the field. And, um, you know, I, I did the applause as they walked off the field as a, as a sense of duty rather than anything, and and certainly just oh, I, I understand fan frustrations and and the very the the there's a wide variety of uh, fan frustrations with it, whether it be with players, um, plenty with the coach, obviously uh, that goes without saying at the moment. Um, and that and there there's all there's validity validity to all those opinions. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say anyone's less valid than another. I'll, I'll say my piece and what I think um, in this review because I think this review is more really an overall thought <laughs> thought process about the entire result and the fallout from it more than the game itself. But I will talk about the game itself a little bit. Not that it hasn't been talked about at length by everyone else and um, at this point now um, this review is very late by it compared to everyone else. But I guess once it came to got to a few days after the game, I thought, "Fuck it, I'll just leave it for a week, let it let everything die down, and just and come into it a little, a little bit more of a level head." You know, not that I would have come on two days after and just smashed everyone, but I was certainly pretty heated, and I wasn't even heated. I think uh, ten minutes into that first quarter, I just you can see the writing on the wall, and it, like I guess that's um, maybe the, the first point of port of call to to kind of. Dock at as we as we kind of just try to run run the ringer over this one. Um, it, it, it's sad to think, and I, this is something that I saw on the socials a lot after the game, um, and even during the game, and even during the first quarter, um, people saying, "Oh God, I can feel this." This just you can see what's going on here very early. Um, 
they're on top of us early. They're on top of us very quickly. The pressure was up, and it wasn't even that their pressure was good, and their skills were on point, and they were just switched on and ready, and we just weren't. So I can't even exactly say that. I mean, they're, no, their pressure was their pressure was really good. They were they, they were just a really good footy side in every facet of the game all night that night, um, and we just went up to it early and. I was pretty bullish in my preview, and I know I'll stand by that because, you know, I don't. I still believe we're a far better footy side than that, and we showed that against Geelong. And now Geelong maybe just has a pretty pretty good um, post mortem happening um, down at Cadinia Park as well because of the way they went out of the finals, and certainly they had two performances um, that were worry worrisome for the for the Geelong side. So they're, they're having similar um, discussions down there, it seems. They've certainly got a bit more success in the past fifteen years to to kind of rest their heads on um, as far and as well as their coach being a premiership coach at least. But um, it's uh, sorry, where was I going with that? Um, oh yeah, no, it was just the how we were kind of feeling as the game started, and um, yeah, it was we were we were worried early. Um, oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Sorry, I was bullish in my, I was bullish in my preview about our chances in this game. And I, 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 and I do stand by that because I do, yeah, like I said, I'm just running over, I'm, I'm looping here, but I, I, I do believe we're a far better footy side than that and we can, on our day, play far better footy than that and we, and um, this, this year our footy side was capable of winning the premiership if they did the right things going forward, but they didn't for some, the things just didn't happen in the, the week, the lead up, whatever it is, <sighs> one day we'll find out, um, but uh that's why I stand by what I said in my preview about... Because what I basically said was we have to... The Bulldogs are going to start fast because they're going to need to... Uh, I said that they'd probably be... A, they could get leggy in the second half if it becomes a dogfight um, or if we're, if we're ahead. Um, they may not have the run to, to keep up if we if we can get ourselves ahead a little bit and, and, and wait out and kind of just fight out the storm that would come in the first half, which was what happened. That's what I expected the dogs to come out and throw everything at us and and see where they can because they they're they're very even with the ones they had out they're still an incredibly talented um, and good side that's why they were where they were for most of the year and um, inexplicably inexplicably fell away uh, only towards the end of the the minor round but certainly were a far better footy side than their uh, minor round positioning at the end of the twenty three rounds that would tell us. Um, being that they were top two for, I think, uh, the first 16, 17 weeks of the season or something like that. Um, so they're, they're a lot better footy side, but um, and so we knew even with those outs, those key outs they had, uh, Bonapelli played and, and played pretty well. Um, uh, and, you know, just and even we were kind of thinking they, they'd be missing a bit down forward, but Jesus, Aaron Norton can take a mark. Um, and they just executed everything like to an absolute T. And we just weren't with them, and that's what I said in my preview a couple. Of weeks, it's a couple of weeks ago now, and I haven't gone back and listened to it. I just remember the general idea I had, and we certainly, I certainly talked about it with Jamie on the other, the other edition of the preview as well. We just we needed to run with them and and kind of take like take the hits, you know, like a, a good old boxing bout. Um, take the hits and take and take whatever they can throw at us, and then and then hit back twice as hard. And we we've done that pretty well at times, particularly um, later in the year when we seem to be rounding into form. And it just didn't happen on this night. Um, they came in as an underdog, and and deservedly so. We were favourites, and that's what stings about it too. Is we we 
um, you know, as, as some of the, the opposition fans would want to say, they would drink our own bathwater or whatever. And like, whatever, we were favourites and we lost. It happens in sports. Um, Crows did it a few years ago in a grand final. So, um, yeah, uh, that that's just what happened. But it's, it is unfortunate because I do, we were capable of winning that game. And it's just, that, that, that is where the post-mortem is so interesting at the moment. It's been... Um, I didn't listen to too much radio last week, obviously, because why, why the fuck would you? Like, if your team's lost in this town, um, God, when Port are doing good in this town, it's hard enough to listen to the radio because most of them don't seem to enjoy it all that much. But when they, when they lose, and you just have to, you don't want to listen to the to the smirks coming through the radio dial. But um, you, you just, I saw all the headlines on Twitter and all that stuff because that's where you, that's where you can you don't need to listen to the radio half the time. You can just see the the like little you know, quote grabs that they throw up on Twitter when they're le- leading to try to get you to the website to click and listen to more. And um, I can see the general consensus and all those things. And there's plenty of thoughts and theories about what happened. And to me, it's just, we just got jumped by a, a side that was far more prepared. And where that comes down to, as far as the discussions about uh, our playing group or Ken Hinckley or the various coaches around the group, you know, we we're We've lost Schofield um, as an assistant, and it looks like Vossi looks pretty odds-on to be the Carlton coach next year, so good luck to him. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, mean, I guess that's the, that is a central thing here, though. Um, the, big, the big question is being asked of um, Kenny Hinckley. And, uh, and look, I guess we'll get this out of the way before I get into a little bit more of the match stuff, but... Um, look, I like Ken. I don't... There's some people that... There is... I said this in, I can't remember what post it was. Um, I'm going to try and find it. I think it was the Adam Front Bars podcast put out, you know. They, I think they said something like, we're not doing a fucking pod. Why, why would you want to sit there and listen to three sad drunk guys? And I was like, yeah, I feel that, guys. <laughs> um, I think they said something along the lines of, uh, or I said something on there, that, you know, the discussion of Ken Hinckley lies somewhere and there is people that, you know, just hate the guy and and call him all sorts of names under the sun on, on the socials. And you know, there's that's a little bit. That's I don't think that's that's not on. You, yeah, he's a coach of the footy club, and that means a lot to us. And we're certainly passionate about it. And I, you know, but he doesn't. It's a performance issue. It's not a personality issue. And I don't think. Um, I don't think uh, if you. <laughs> I said, oh, well, if you're not going to say it to their face, um, and if you would say some of those things to Ken Hinckley's face, then you probably deserve what's coming to you. Um, he's not a, from, you know, unless something comes out about his personality or the, what things he's done in the past, he's not a bad bloke. Um, he seems to have a lot of the, and this is the interesting thing about the playing group at the moment, is that they seem to, the playing group seem united behind him still. You know, you've got those guys like Bokey and Wines and stuff that still speak so highly of him, and this is the catch twenty two. I sometimes find myself in is like I I said this on this on the Abbott and Front Bars. I think it was the Abbott and Front Bars Facebook. I said there's a like there is a middle ground to have an adult discussion about Ken Hinckley and what what the future might hold um, that we can have without de- devolving into into saying just horrible things about the man or or being absolutely blind loyal as well. Like there's a middle ground. You can have the discussion. You can sit there and say, look, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure. I think he's had nine years, and you know the the history of the. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but there's all the there's all the stats about 
you know, he's the third longest tenured coach. I think but at this stage already without a grand final appearance, it might be second. I can't remember. He's right up there and quickly gain, quickly um, closing in on the record. And that's, that is a, that is a knock against him. So that's one. Um, two, there's a, there's a history of some, there's a history, a good history of flame outs. Um, whether it be, uh, you know, um, kind of the, the down years after 2014 when we look to be really... In 2014, I, I, you know, this could be, you know, roast into glasses or whatever. I think, you know, that prelim against Hawthorne, we should have won. And I think if we get through that one, we go on and win the grand final. So it's, it's almost, but that, that year was, you know, we were... It, it was early into his tenure and that's fine. But then we have the down years after that. Then we get back to the elimination final in 2017. Don't quite get... And, you know, that's rough. Um and then we have down years again, and and particularly I think I can't remember twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, whatever the year it was that we we were eleven and four over halfway through the season, you know, in the top four, and then we just we collapsed so badly that we finished out of the finals after that, including you know an eighty six point loss to fucking kangaroos or whatever it was um, that really just sunk the boot in. So that kind of flame out is is quite shocking as well. And again, that's you know that's there's an element of coaching in that. How do you go from eleven and four with your side more or less the same? From what I remember, I can't remember if there was any major injuries attributed to that, contributed to that, but I, I believe um, it, was, it was just a flame out. And um, and then we're, we've got the unenviable record of now having two home prelim finals in a row and losing both. Um, you know, Western Bulldogs and a couple of other sides are the only other sides to have done that. So those are unfortunate things, and they're all uh, these are all things that I've rattled off that have been under the Ken Hinckley era, so those are things to be concerned about, and those are things that are, that show patterns of of you know not quite getting there when when every, when everything's kind of going for you and you, and something goes wrong like that it's just um it is a worry and it is a concern, and that's why there is valid validity to people having concerns about Ken Hinckley's tenure um but then the other the other side of the coin is you know playing groups seem to be around him. Um, he seems to attract the players in as well. Um, there's not too many that go. Um, you know, I know Wingard might be the biggest one that I'm thinking. I can't I can't recall the at the moment of any other major players that have um, kind of sought to get and but that was more or less the club half was a part of that as well. So you know who knows. Um, and you know there's players at the moment. You know it's coming into that season where we might see a few go. This year as well, um, but you know, it's one of those things I think about. I sometimes think about as well when I'm trying to. And this isn't me saying, "Oh, this is a reason you should back him." I'm, I'm just giving you, I'm just giving kind of my where I think you can have an adult discussion about it is that, you know, we look at the playing group and go, "Well, you know, if we if we tried chopping and changing coaches in the last few years, who you know, would Wines have gone? Because Wines was, you know, he was legitimately there was both the club and him. I think we kind of just at a at a point where they were like, well, I don't think the club wanted to lose Wines, obviously, but Wines was looking and, and the club would have had to facilitate that a few years ago if it um, got to that point. Um, but, you know, and I, I sit there and think, you know, if if we were chopping and changing coaches every few years, and that, that's, that does work for some clubs, sometimes you just need to change. And that's, the that's again, part of that nuanced discussion. Maybe we've left a few premierships on the table because we haven't been as ruthless in coaching decisions. But um, then this playing group has been pretty solid for a few years and it's kind of like, do we just, we just got to ride it until, you know, until the Bokes and Greys and, and Wines and a few of those others get old or retire and then we're just going to have to completely tear it apart and, um, and put it back, put it back together again, you know? 
um, that maybe just we just have to throw all our chips in at this point and see where it t- gets us. And you know, and I think that's what the clubs had to do, obviously. With um, and there is a financial aspect to the second you sat Ken now. Um, he's got a contract for another couple of years, and again, that's a discussion people are having. Should we have done that? Who knows? It's just again, but it's 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 happened. Unfortunately, we've just got to roll with it. Um, he does have another two years in a contract, I believe. So if you sacked him now, you'd be paying. And there's some clubs that can afford to do that, um, but it's not. It's still not good business practice. And then again, that comes back to signing up contracts and stuff. But hey, he's got us to two prelim finals, home prelim finals in a row. Yes, it hasn't gone well from there, but that's also, you know, you you ticking off some, um, you know, see, you know, some, some. Dot points on what you're meant to achieve are, are getting ticked off, so it's not a complete abject failure either, as far as um, you know what he's what he's been expected to do with that contract. So, like I said, um, that's been five ten minutes of me chatting about that, and I don't think I've gotten anywhere because that's what it is. It's just it is an unanswerable question. There, yeah, there is some that will say it's an absolute answer. He needs to go, um, and I'm I'm on the side of I I have. I guess to round it out, um, after all that, I am very concerned about the Hinkley tenure. I just don't. I this keeps happening, and I and it does concern me. And I don't have, and I have fragile faith in in the game plan and all that stuff. And I've said this time and time again. Um, probably maybe not so much on the podcast though. I do, um, allude to the concerns about you know the you know, forward line structure and all that stuff because we. It, it's amazing how, and maybe it's just because I'm a fan of my team and I see it. I I feel like it happened. You know, you do have that rose tinted thing, or and and the other way where you you think your forward line is just horribly performing when you but then you see Aaron Norton taking mark. But that was the thing. Aaron Norton was taking some incredible marks, um, as well as they were just they were just moving the ball through the center better on the night and um, opening up those opportunities. And that's another thing, like. The plan B, I guess, is another thing. So that's another thing that'll come up. But um, yeah, I, I've that is, I guess, my after all that, I've gotten to the point that I am very concerned. And that's again going back to rounding back to those first ten minutes of that game, and everyone going, "Oh fuck, we've seen this story before." And 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 you could see the faith fall away very quickly in the fans, whether it be the ones sitting at home watching on TV on, and posting on Twitter, or the ones in the st- it, the stands around. We were up in the nosebleeds. Um, Everyone got pretty, pretty antsy and and talks. The guys to my left were um, made plans to hit the bar pretty quickly after the first ten minutes, and I think after half we didn't see him again after half time. And while I wouldn't do that, I don't. You know, I guess I can't blame him. That's <laughs> um, no, not my way of dealing with it. I have to. I have to sit there and put myself through it. And it's kind of some self-flagellation thing, I guess, about <laughs> me and my teams. But I just have to be better or worse, I guess. Um, but that was the that's the thing, and that's what like all this stuff I've talked about, Ken Hinckley, and the the middle ground that you can find to have an adult discussion about it does lead you to the to the idea that we I do just have incredibly fragile faith in in where we are right now. I think it's kind of like a house of cards thing. It's it's so good when it's good, but it can just fall apart so quickly as well. And that's what happened on um this last you know, Saturday night a week and a half ago. It fell apart very quickly and very um, disastrous. And beautiful, it was a beautiful disaster in a way. It's um, all of our worst fears because I know we all probably thought we all probably went into this game thing and having some pretty 
while we were confident, there's also the underlying nerves. And I think everyone is everyone is confident but nervous. And if you're confident but nervous, it means that you do have some have some worries about you know the worst case scenarios. And they they were realised. It was um, the worst case scenarios were um, that we are not up to the task. We have a slow start that was a worry um, for much of the year. And that slow start against good teams this year has seen us get blown out of the water early and, and not being able to get back into a game. Now, we did get back into it against the Dogs earlier earlier in the season, um, but then they, because of that effort to get back into it, they were able to get back get back ahead. Um, West Coast, Brisbane, um, th- those games were in similar fashion and then you know Geelong and Melbourne at home earlier in the year, we were, um, made it a bit of a fight, but they were able to get runs on us as well. Um, but that's where the fragile faith comes from. We've seen the story before, and that's and that's uh, when you we've seen it this year, and then when you add on all those things over the years, whether it be the the down years after twenty fourteen, and the and the eleven and four collapse, and then the home prelim last year, and then uh, obviously this year hadn't happened yet until we. But that's where the fragile faith comes from, and that's why I do have those concerns about the Hinkley era and and what we what's going to happen going forward as well, because I don't know. If you were asking me today um, or any time in the last week, will we win a premiership on Ken Hinckley? I I say I hope so, but I'm not. I'm not super hopeful. I think, uh, and this is the other thing though. I think our side is really good, so I hope that we can move forward from this and, and go again next year. And there's plenty of examples of teams that have gone again and gone again and gone again um, around world sports and and gotten there eventually, and and some haven't, but. Um, and I'll get to that after about fans more so um, to close it out. But it's uh, it, yeah. I and look, if you'd asked me in two thousand three after that season when I was fucking pissed off again about having you know that that run that we had and how we kept on getting close but not to the grand final, you know, I I don't know what my answer would have been then either, and. I guess I would have been pretty, you know, it was a pretty similar feeling then until we got through and broke through in 2004. So it's certainly, we're certainly capable of it. We've got a good team and uh, we, we just got to go again next year. But it's, um, again, there's a, there's plenty of reasons for us to be uh, doubtful. And um, and that's that's what that is, the puts the onus on the coach, on Ken Hinckley and his staff, and then the players as well to prove us wrong. Um, that's a simple f- matter of the, matter of the, fact or the fact of the matter um if i can get my words um into i'm into a con- constructive sentence jesus i'm losing my mind um this is what happens when i try to actually sit there and think about this game <laughs> um yeah that's the onus is on the, the the coach and the players because that's um we fans will keep having this opinion until it's proved wrong and and we, i think most of it i mean there's some out there that will have to <laughs> have to um with their hats in their ha- hats in their hands, um, really apologise after some of the things that I've seen said about it. Like, again, opinions. That's um, yeah, that's what you know. There's there's validity to a lot of those arguments as well. It's just sometimes expressed in a little bit too stronger terms. I think um, as far as what you say about fellow human beings. Um, but you know, again, those those questions are being asked, and and those demands are out there to still be met. We still need to see those demands met. Um by our club and and by our by our players and coaches um because we had a golden opportunity this year and that's what really sucks it was a golden opportunity you're never going to get um you know a, a a preliminary final is meant to be tough that's that's the whole idea of it the last four teams left in the competition 
Um, they're meant to be tough. Now, often they can be blowouts because um, it's just what happens. One team is just hot in form and one team just doesn't stand up to the moment. Unfo- unfortunately, excuse me, unfortunately, we uh, we were the, the wrong side of that and it's um, unfortunately been something we've had to deal with before as fans. Um, so that's what we had to deal with. But, um, you know, it's just... I lost my train of thought again. I'm, I apologize. It's just there's so many thoughts rattling around with this game and what happened. But uh, yeah, it's um, you know it's meant to be tough to get into a preliminary final, but it just sucks going out that way. And um, I'm trying to think where I was going with that. I had a real a plan in my head, and then I've lost it. But uh, yeah, um, you don't have a divine right to get through. I guess that's the one thing. Um, but it was a golden opportunity. Sorry, that's what I was going to say. Preliminary final preliminary finals aren't meant to be easy by definition. That's that's what it is. But we everything had lined up pretty well. We had a home preliminary final. We were able to have fans in, um, which is while it wasn't the full crowd. And I I really hope um, we get back to another home prelim next year. And it's a full house, fifty thousand. That might be the kicker to get us across the line and change change the narrative of the last couple of years. But um, with the Bulldogs missing a couple of key players, um, it was, certainly was. There was, there's not many excuses for it, and that's what's unfortunate. Is and look, we the dogs are a good, te- they're a great team anyway. So, but despite those ones that are missing, they still had plenty of plenty of weapons available. So, that's uh, you know, it's it, it is certainly something that people are like, oh, they choked it, they choked it, they choked it, whatever. Um, and yeah, there is an element of truth to that because we should have we should have been far better in that game, even if it was going to be a close game. Um, that's that's what it should have been. Um, losing but losing in that fashion is what really you know sinks the sinks the steel cap boot into the guts you know into the jejunum um, as Jackie Moon found out um, it's uh it's it's just that's the that's what's rough about it is how it was lost and um, and there is no excuses for all that and that's that's what hurts and that's why it's still hurting to this very moment I still can't bring myself to get that excited about watching the grand final I just couldn't I, I will watch bits of it although we've got something going we've had a change uh, plans that we had at four o'clock in the afternoon on um Saturday have changed slightly later in the evening and I'm just not that worried about missing the first half of the grand final like yeah I'll ca- catch the replay and really get into what happened and and I'm a, I'm a footy fan as well but it's I'm a Port Adelaide fan uh, Port Adelaide diehard Port Adelaide died in the wall whatever the terminology you like to use that's that's me so um yeah it's it's still hurting and that's what sucks is the hurt's deep um yeah there was tears there was um there was all that stuff and that's what you know when you're a fan of a club um to this to the very depth of your soul that's why this stuff hurts so much and that's what um and that's what sucks is when in the post-mortem and all that stuff is when people are expressing their emotions in all sorts of different ways, whether it be on the socials or, um, you know, radio and all that stuff. We've got to let... You've kind of... I took the tact of... You know, I saw some things I just didn't... Agree, some things said about some people at the club that I just didn't agree with. Um, but I, I just let it go because... As long as you're not saying something really bad, but you know, it's just people get frustrated and emotional, and that's okay. Um, unfortunately, um, certainly there's certain things that shouldn't be said, or uh, certainly directing anything directly at players is never on. But um, you know, just things being shot out into the winds of Twitter and whatever is, it's just what it is, and that's just the modern world of social media and how we how we how we kind of metabolize having to watch our season fall apart, I guess, and and that's okay. Um, 
I just took the tact of, and I, I said, I said something about being fucking furious and and you know being disappointed, and that's that's okay, and we've all got to deal with it in our own way. Um, but yeah, it's still hurting a week and a half later. I can tell you that. Um, and I think it'll hurt for a long time. Um, but I guess that's the thing we've got to we kind of got to dust ourselves off and and look forward to next season because that's all you can do. Um, that's what we've got to accept that it's sport. Um, there is always 18 teams in this competition vying for the top spot and yes not all 18 teams go into each season with a realistic hope luckily at the moment we are going in with a realistic hope but that comes with it with that realistic hope also comes with a uh, a caveat of possible complete and utter heartbreak and that's what we've experienced the last couple of years Um, and this one in particularly disastrous and embarrassing fashion just to top it off Um, so that's what happens and I've been thinking about it a bit because, you know, we we have our club. Our club has an incredibly proud history, and we and that is a part of why we are so bullish about our chances all the time, and 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 proud of our club because we do have a, a real history and a tangible history and something to be proud of and love and adore um, year in year out, regardless of these kind of results. Um, and we do hold ourselves to a high standard, as, both as fans of our club and then our, and we we. Um, bestow on our club um, that responsibility to to keep up with those standards and yeah and there are questions about how we're going about that at the moment and that's understandable um certainly i i do agree with a lot you know there's a a lot of things that have gone right over the last 10 years as we got ourselves out of the mire of uh, 2010 to 2012 um but it hasn't been perfect and and we have to hold our club to account constantly and and keep striving for those standards, but then the also brutal reality of um, business and professional sport in the 21st century is no team, regardless of your history, has a divine right. What you have with that history um, is a pedestal. You have a pedestal to put yourself on, and and you have a leg up because that that history, you know, we our club can sell that to you know we sell it to the Fantasians and Aliyahs of the world that come in at the end of last year and, and go, yeah, that's the club I want to go to because that's what they've got. They've got this they've got this history, they've got this culture, and that's all that stuff. So that's what that does for us. But what it doesn't do for us is it doesn't guarantee results. No team has a divine right to results. You have a div- you have we got results in our history that built up that history. That's what that happened. We're, and then our team didn't have a divine right for, to those results. They took those results with you know the passion, blood, sweat, and tears. And the creed on the field. And yeah, that wasn't uh, quite on display the other night. Um, and we can talk about that. But I certainly don't... I certainly don't believe all those players... Um, let they, Yeah, yeah they, you probably couldn't... It's just... Yeah, they... There was a fair bit of emotion after that game. And I... I, I you know, when we see the likes of Boke um, crying on the radio, it's, um, it's hard to sit there and say they didn't live up to the creed because... Sometimes it just goes the way that you you look like it's just they just well, they just couldn't catch him. And I'll get into some stats and stuff at the end. Oh, I meant to do earlier, but this is just a rambling review, really. Um, yeah, what I'm saying is like, yeah, the, your history gives you that pedestal. You know, you, they went out the Port Adelaide men um, and women of past involved in the club, whether it be on the playing field as the the guys themselves or um, the men and women around the club. They built that history through um, taking it and earning it, um, rather than having a divine right to it. So we can we sit there as fans and say, yes, we we exist to win premierships and all that stuff, and we do, but we don't have a divine right to it. We have to still get out there and take it. And every other club out there, regardless if they don't have the history we do, is still trying to do the same thing. 
And the Western Bulldogs um, are an old proud club as well. Um, and they may not have the history we do, but what they did last week was they took a piece of history. Rather than resting on it, they went out and took it and, and are building towards something else. And whether they win this weekend or not, I don't know. I think Melbourne are probably... That would be probably be my pick, but I'm genuinely curious to see how the game will go because it's um they're two cl- two pretty proud clubs that um beyond the Western Bulldogs winning that premiership a few years ago are both um you know pr- both pretty devoid of um silver um combined for a hundred years really um if you put both of their last fifty years together so yeah that's what happened and we and I, I've this is something I've listened to a lot in um, other sports over the years because like um you know I, I don't hate me if you're not a Liverpool fan but my my football team as far as the round ball um world game uh, is Liverpool and we uh, as a, as a club they went through um a real down patch uh, well you know Europe actually went right for them they had a couple of Champions League titles before they broke through for their first um domestic title in uh, 30 years but they were a club you know they're a club that in this um you know, from 59 when Shankly took over through, um, you know, the 60s when they built it and then 70s and 80s where they really took off, um, they felt like they had a divine right to titles almost the way they went. Um, you know, the Anfield rap, you know, it was written by an Australian, the Craig Johnston. Um, you know, there's uh, more silverware than Buckingham Palace was a line in that rap. Um, and, uh, you know, they they that was what it felt like and that's what, um, it took a lot of, long time for that club to come to terms. In the, 90s and 2000s that that it wasn't happening you know football was changing and they it took a while for them to catch up and uh not saying this is Port Adelaide's experience I'm just saying that and so when it got to the 2010s and I was listening to a podcast from there um the Anfield rap if you know it it's very very well done and very popular and um they've got an incredible little podcast empire there now in Liverpool um but they you'd often listen to those guys and they're really good at speaking about being Liverpool fans and proud and bullish about it, just as we Port Adelaide fans are. You know, they're like, we're Liverpool. We, you know, this is who we are and we'll not never shy away from our history and our our culture and, and who we are and we'll I'll forever be proud of it. But we've also got to understand and they, they really did for the years leading up to finally breaking through for that uh, title last year they would say, you know, we've got to understand, we don't have a divine right to this. We've got to go out and take it. And this is, you know, we we are Liverpool and we've got this history and we we can be proud of it, but we've also got to add, go go out and earn, earn that new history. What we, that aura we had back in the 80s is gone. The clubs are, you know, Anfield is still a spectacular place to go play and certainly Port Adelaide, um, we have a great home atmosphere, but that's not going to do the full job. We need to get everything else in mind. And get across the line and, and, you know, for a club like Liverpool went, you know, their 30-year break between titles was um, is somewhat akin to the Port Adelaide's current drought in how spectacular it is compared to the rest of our history. So, it can be done. You've just got to, it's just got to be done. Um, we've got to all accept that uh, our history and everything is is a fucking incredible thing and we can always be proud of it, but we've, the, the history that's ahead of us um, has to absolutely be earned with blood, sweat and tears and we have no more right to a premiership as any other club. And accepting that and having the humility to um, understand that is a big part of moving forward and um, and kind of accepting the result. And I'll, I, I don't accept the result. Um, I don't forgive it. And I'll, <laughs> I, won't, I won't forgive it until the next premiership comes. Um, 
I certainly won't. If you know, I won't. I'll never forgive a result like that. I haven't forgiven two thousand and seven. Um, well, I guess maybe I won't forget. I, you know, it's not like I'm going to walk down the street and see guys from 2007 go, what the fuck happened? You know, I, I forgive it, but I don't forget it. And I, I you know, I, I half forgive it because you can never get that, you can never get that humiliation. You, you're never going to give back that humiliation. And we still deal with it this very day about 2007. And certainly that prelim will li- live long in the painful part of the heart and will never go away. So, but we've got to also with not forgiving quite and forgetting, you've also got to accept it and metabolize it and find a way to um, compartmentalize it and move forward and move forward to next year because this is what the players are going to have to do and what we need to do um, is move forward because we don't want to see kind of that that, that malaise and fear that fell over Albert and I after 2007. We don't want to see that again and certainly shouldn't. It's a preliminary final loss. Richmond got smashed in. Uh, well, they they did win it in twenty seventeen, so that probably helped a little bit. They got smashed in twenty eighteen when they should have. They Richmond should be a team that we talk about has gone four in a row the way they 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 were one they one bad night against a Collingwood side that really weren't weren't that all that um, away from being probably four in a row because I don't th- I think if Richmond get through that one bad game and that's that's the thing it only takes one bad game that Richmond side was the best side of that year. Um, it's probably the only year they really were the best side in the comp, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, you know, one bad one bad night against Collingwood, they got completely outplayed at the MCG as well. Um, it was a home prelim. I guess Collingwood, it is a home in, in essence as well. But um, but they were able to go, they were able to go back to the, you know, lick their wounds, go back and then get back and win the next two. So, Yes, it helps that they had the 2017 one in the bag. Yes, I'm sure. It's a completely different set of, circ- set of circumstances in that sense. But they did get smashed in a prelim and go back and, and not let it affect their next year. And, and I think there's there's reasons to be hopeful of that. You see, and I will talk about the Brownlow in a separate um, podcast. Obviously, very proud and happy about that. Um, and you see Wine's speech and all that stuff. And, and there is reason. And that did actually bring some hope and closure to me about where the, the playing group's hopefully at. Um, they looked... United still, and that's that's a good thing. And certainly, we weren't watching a Port Adelaide player win the Brownlow after two thousand and seven, were we? Well, I guess it, um, um, obviously, see that the grand final was still yet to be played. That um, that game was still yet to be played when the Brownlow happened. But you know, there's 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 a lot of differences in how we go forward as well. So, and then one more thing I wanted to talk about, um, in the sense of fans having gone through things, and I I often look at I think um a couple of great documentaries to go and watch just to get a sense of how fleeting sports success sometimes can be and we're, we, we've been incredibly lucky really as Port Adelaide fans um, particularly if you happen to have some memories of the late 80s or you know the older Port Adelaide fans that have 70s and 80s 60s, 70s and 80s memories as well my first memories were the early 90s um, watching Scotty Hodges um, and, and that incredible comeback against Woodville West Tyrants, and then uh, those few more premierships, and then watching Port come into the competition, and then 2016 and 2004. So it was perfect timing for me to get a be a conscious adult. Oh, you're not quite an adult, but be understanding of how incredible that was. Um, you know, so we've had we've had some good times. Um, I, 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 it's you know on KO or wherever you can access the ESPN 30 for 30 series of documentaries. There's a couple. Um, Believe Land, which is about Cleveland. Um, and the city in general about their long, torturous quest for 
success because you know between their um you know three teams they lost the Cleveland Browns and then they come back and so there's a big big aspect about that stuff um then the Cleveland Indians and um well they thankfully I think they're changing their name as well um so Cleveland Baseball Club whatever they are um and then you know the Cleveland and it and it ends it kind of rounds out with the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers finally Broke through for a title, which was the city's first title in 50 or 60 years or whatever it was. It was a long drought. Um, so that, that kind of documentary is a bit about fan torture, I guess. And, and But, the you know, beyond all that, the um, sticking with your team no matter what. And the other one that is an incredible watch is The Four Falls of Buffalo, which is, um, if you don't know, the story of the Buffalo Bills in the early 90s um, lost four Super Bowls in a row. So they got to the Super Bowl, which if you really... I assume most people know what the Super Bowl is, but it is the equivalent of our grand final. It is the grand final. It's one game. That's the one day in early February, <laughs> whatever. Um, that you know, it's the, it's the be all end all of American football. And they got to the Super Bowl four years in a row and lost every one of them. You know, you would have thought after one, maybe they get to the second one and they win that one. Oh no, they lost that one too. You get to a third one, lose that one. It's oh, fourth one in a row. Oh, surely it's gonna that's gonna come. No. Nah didn't happen and it hasn't happened since that was in the early 90s and it was actually a long period of um of probably not that being not being good and then obviously they're being in the same division as the Patriots then they had to just um get whipped by Tom Brady for 20 years and up until last year but um they've actually got a pretty good quarterback again now and well I might be biased because they had him on a fantasy team last year but um I'm just going off on a complete tangent but you watch the four fools of Buffalo and just I know it's probably it's it's therapeutic to me to watch these other things because what it, what it does for me is it makes me realize this sports thing is torture for everyone. <laughs> Maybe it's just it's a it's the cynicism and 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 catastrophic thinking thing that I I get myself into often about sports and you know sports result last weekend is a, a big reason as to why I do it because it happens all the fucking time it seems. Um, but watching documentaries like that, and they're just well-done sports documentaries anyway, and the 30 for 30 series in general that does a lot of great stories, and some of them quite serious about other aspects of... Um, sometimes they're not really... Sp- they're, they're documentaries about the human... A lot of them are actually just human interest stories, but with sports as the central kind of thing. Um, so, you know, The Four Fools of Buffalo is really a story about how a team, as well as a fan base in a city, deals with that kind of, you know all that stuff, you know, going to four Super Bowls in a row, four grand finals in a row and losing every one of them um, and getting through that and then enjoying being a part of that journey even if you didn't get the ultimate success and then Believe Land is just, yeah, it's a story about a you know, city just in- inexplicably um, going through a drought like that and, and losing their team and then getting it back and all that stuff and there's a few other documentaries like that around. Um, yeah, they're, 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 they're a good watch to get some just some kind of feeling for how it, you know, this this hurt is a very universal thing and it happens to a lot of people every year, all the time. And it is just a part of the journey, unfortunately. Um, now, I do, the reason we do this and the reason we love Port Adelaide is because we believe in the exceptionalism of Port Adelaide. We are different. And I, I absolutely 100% believe that. And that's why I believe we do have a, we do hold our club to a high standard because of that, because we do believe, and there is, Incredible prior history is unrivaled um, and our, our culture is unrivaled and all that stuff is true. But it is also true that that stuff doesn't, again, it doesn't give you a divine right to a premiership. You still need to earn it. 
And then you add to that history if you earn it. And then it becomes more a part of your legend and lore and all those things that we love about our club. But we have to earn it. And we didn't the other night. And that's the unfortunate aspect of it is that we just didn't um, do... We didn't hold our club, uh, the players and coaches and everyone involved just didn't live up to those standards. And that's not to say that they um, need to pack the pack their bags and leave with their tails between their legs and, and never speak of Port Adelaide again. Because even some of the legends of our, of our club, they were never at 100% all the time and, and bad results happened. And, you know, Russell Ebert spent a long time at Port Adelaide without winning a premiership as well. Um, these things happen and we when we hope that they can get through and do it next year and we'll see. But like I said... Um, the faith isn't strong at the moment, but I'll, um, as far as the faith in Port Adelaide will never be never be stronger. I just uh, I, see, it's the thing you, you know, that thing you say to your partner. I I love you. I love you more than I did yesterday. Uh, I love you a little bit less than I will tomorrow. That's that's me in Port Adelaide. I'll always be falling in love with the club more and more every day. Um, so the faith in that sense will never ever waver. Um, but the faith just currently in what is going on, it, it, yeah, there's reasons to be. There's reasons to be apprehensive, and and we're all allowed to feel those feelings, and however we're feeling is is valid, um, as long as we just um, do the right things and don't, um, you know, be good about how we how we vocalise those things, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's about it. I was going to get into some stats and stuff like that. It's just it's just not worth it. Um, we can you can all go to the AFL. Well, we lost. We lost it, and everyone watched the game. We know where we lost it because it's amazing to look and see that we did. There's some. There's some statistical indicators that we we you know the disposals we actually won by the, the dispo, disposal count by two. You know, um, inside fifties we got smashed in obviously because we got smashed in the midfield. Um, free kicks we won the free kick count. So um, considering that was a storyline going in with the Western Bulldogs free kick differential over the year. Smashed them and hit outs, but the clearances were where they got it done, and um, and and the contested possessions is just not good reading. Um, we were our, our average for the year. Port's average was one forty four, Bulldogs is one forty three point two. So we average point eight contested possessions more. So it's a wash. We we're average the same, but we lost it by thirty. It was a minus thirty contested possession differential, and that's where it was won and lost. And that's pressure and all that stuff. And yeah, and marks inside fifty as well. Um, just yeah we just didn't get the job done that's it um so i don't want to get too much more into um there's i was going to get more into stats but it's just really not worth it um yeah everyone can go look at them everyone's watched the game doesn't probably doesn't want to watch the game again and we all know just from the eye test where it was won and lost um so yeah that's really it for the review and unfortunately it's the last game review of the year it's very late um i appreciate anyone that stuck through and listened to this one um yeah, I don't know what the off-season will bring content-wise. I'll certainly talk about the draft when it happens and um, and certainly the trade period. Um, not that I'm going to get into, like, you know, fucking d- just listening to trade radio all day, every day, and all that stuff. Um, I just keep an ear out for what's going on. Port Adelaide-wise, really, um, that's it. I don't couldn't get, care less what players have decided to go to Adelaide instead of Port or whatever because um, they're a Crows fan anyway, so who cares? Like... We got our own job to do, and um, we'll we'll figure it out as we go. But um, yeah, that's the last review of the season. Unfortunately, it's done. We are done for the year. Prelim is a good result. A couple of years ago, we would have been happy, um, but certainly, um, you know, as we we're building towards this point, but now we've gotten to a couple in a row. It's um, it's not enough. We need to 
need to find out what went wrong again um, this year and, and more wrong this year. Last year was um, last year was what it was. It was a close game and it was against a team that uh, was a dynasty. Um, we almost got it done, but this year was there was no excuses and it's um, it's um, quite frankly embarrassing what happened and and some good um, some good honest hard questions need to be asked and answered within the club. I don't care, um, you know what I hear. I just need to see the I just need to see the results next year, um, and then if it doesn't, if it starts falling apart next year, then we'll really start demanding some more answers. But yeah, for now it's just um, just enjoy the off season a little bit, take a bit of a break from it. I think, um, oh, not me. I'll, I'll still I'll podcast whenever it's um, needed, and I'll find so I'll find some reasons to do some content. I know I did my bi week binge watch back in the bi week. I might come jump on one day and just tell you some podcasts I enjoy listening to, or some TV shows, more TV shows or movies, and. And whatnot, and I might do a few. I might do a couple of. I've got a you know collection of port, um, old game DVDs as well as um, there's a few games on streaming and whatnot. You know, I might watch some old games and chat chat through some port classics over the off season. Might be something to do. So, let me know about some of those ideas if you're on Twitter or whatever. Say what you'd like to hear. Um, you know, old yeah, there's a few old games I do enjoy watching and be fun to kind of run the rule over some old classics in the Port Adelaide collection. So. Yeah, there'll be some content over the off-season. Don't worry, I'm not leaving you. Um, but yeah, that's the review done. Uh, after this podcast, um, whether what what order you listen to them in, I don't know. But after I finish recording this one, I'm going to do a quick little pod. It should be a little bit more jovial and celebrating um, Ollie Wine's wonderful, um, groundbreaking, record-equaling, um, dominating Brownlow win, which was a wonderful night the other night. And a great, great little... Um, after the hard week it had been, it was a great little result. So... I'll record that after I've finished recording this one, but that's it. That's a review. Port Adelaide season is done. Fuck.